you were able to start the same five up front two weeks in a row for the first time all year from a court. You're going to jinx us. Go on. And you were able to. Yes. Um, from a coordinator's perspective, what does that actually do? Can you kind of explain how that maybe helps you play Klung beyond just the continuity aspect of it? Yeah, I think it probably helps Spencer more than it helps me. Uh, you know, like, uh, what does that do? Well, you go back and if you were 21st down, then you're 13 runs and 15 passes and negative plays. And I think that comes from guys playing together. And, you know, it's – I would love to tell you, like, guys, some of our issues become because of individual breakdowns. It's not it's not that. Like, we have we – have, we have a talent. We have a talented group of it's only young, but it's playing together. And you know, so when you get to play together, like that helps you more than anything. And it- all right, welcome back to the GamecockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of GamecockScoop.com on Rivals. I'm Caleb, joined by Alan, who you could have heard of me that clip asking that question to uh Dow logins. Um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully you did not jinx them. But uh, yeah, I do think we'll get into the the game a little bit more here in a second after we talk about a couple of recruiting things and other things going around, going on, going on around the program. Um, but I do think that it plays a factor that the offensive line, the much maligned offensive line that we've talked about all year, uh, is getting their probably third straight game of consistent starters this coming week. Um, home game, you know, all those things are going to play a positive factor in the way that the offense runs, the way that the running game works, uh, all those sorts of things. So I thought it was a a good question. And yeah, hopefully no more injuries these last two weeks uh, along that front. It sounds insane to say that they're healthy when they're still, Trey Jones is going to be out Saturday. Casey Henry is going to be out Saturday. Like they are still down two depth guys who have started at points this year. And that's what's considered healthy this year. But it is just you you take Take what you can get at this yeah. point. Um, before we get too far into previewing a huge matchup against Kentucky, uh, two very similar teams. Obviously, a game Carolina needs to win to keep their bowl hopes alive and, and set up a really interesting showdown next week at home against Clemson. Uh, let's talk a little bit about recruiting. So from a football standpoint, um, the only real note I have is uh, running back Anthony Carey visited last weekend. Uh, Kind of interesting. Uh, I think South Carolina is still in it with Daniel Hill, though. If you have been paying attention on GameCockScoop.com, I flipped my future cast uh, for him to end up at Alabama. Ultimately, that's just what I've been hearing about the way things are trending there. But there's still contact. There's still fight for him. You know, things can happen. He hasn't uh, announced that decision yet, although I think he's announcing in January at the Under Armour All-American Bowl. Um but interesting to get Anthony Carey back on campus. He is currently committed to Michigan State, but that's a, a four-star running back on Rivals that you were in it uh, a good bit early. Um, and then obviously Michigan State have had their own problems this year. <laughs> um, so that, that'll be interesting to kind of see how that goes. Um, and then from a basketball standpoint, pretty big day for South Carolina yesterday. Um, Joyce Edwards the two overall player in the country in the 2024 class uh picked south Carolina over lsu and clemson um as one that like really did come down to the wire i think each of those schools had a legitimate shot but don staley continues to clean up uh in the state of south carolina um obviously last year malaysia full wiley now you have Watkins the year before um, yeah and i have joyce edwards joining that crew so um should immediately 
make an impact. I think um, yeah. one of those caliber of players, she's gone back and forth between number one and number two player on the ESPN uh, recruiting list, which rivals doesn't have a women's basketball recruiting list, which is why I'm referencing that. Um, and then on the men's side, uh, Lamont Paris picks up a four-star point guard, uh, Eli Ellis, Eli Ellis, um, who, if you're a Gen Z, maybe you know him because he's got a huge uh, following on TikTok and Instagram and stuff. He's got over a million followers between the two. Um, I think what he's kind of like this like small, wiry, uh, not the most athletic point guard. Um, and the reason that I think he's so popular and the reason that he's going to be interesting uh, for South Carolina is he is really good at getting open and knocking down three pointers. Um, so, and, and he's passing the ball and stuff and some of the other things you need as a point guard. He's not going to be the uh, Michi Johnson uh, explosive in the lane, uh, you know, finishing it with a dunk sort of guy. Um, but I do think he can distribute the ball well and he can knock down shots. And I think um, given the way that Paris is constructing this team and, uh, really putting a lot of emphasis on making three-point shots, which it is an equalizer if you are a, uh, you know, you're not populated with a bunch of six, eight, five stars or whatever, like, you know, a Kentucky or a Duke or, or whatever. Um, it's it's an equalizer against uh, some of those bigger teams. So I, I think he's going to he's gonna be a good add in the 2025 class. Ellis uh, picked South Carolina over College of Charleston, uh, VCU, Virginia Tech. Mississippi State was in there. That's right. Um, so, yeah, big, big day for both basketball squads yesterday. Um, and, yeah, I'm, we talked a little bit of it in, I guess, anticipation of it uh, earlier in the week. Um, Paris is rebuilding the portal uh, both off seasons to make the team probably more, more competitive than they would be at this point uh, in his tenure. Uh, and now it seems like uh, some of that's starting to show up on the recruiting trail. Um, Ellis, in particular, I think was impressed uh, with the way that South Carolina shot the three against Virginia, which is a game he uh, attended a couple weeks ago. So nice, nice ads uh, there. The women haven't played since we last talked on Monday. They'll get the Palmetto series going again tonight in about six and a half hours against Clemson. The men have played once since we last talked. They beat. Uh, VMI 74 to 64 Monday, kind of a sloppy game, a little bit of a sleepy spot, kind of sandwiched between that Virginia Tech game and the Phoenix trip. Did you watch any of it? I got to watch something like a half um, where they played a little cleaner, but it did sound like it was a slow start. Um, yeah, I mean, you're three and That's a lot better spot than you were at uh, at this point last year. And yeah, so I'll be covering the game tomorrow night against DePaul at 11.30 Eastern for those of you that are up and want to uh, join the live thread with me and and, and talk uh, the game. That's a, another winnable game, I think, for South Carolina. They have an opportunity to then make it to the championship of this Arizona Cactus League tournament or whatever it's called. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. We, we were talking a little bit about it off air after the podcast last week, but um, they're the highest rated uh, in Ken Palm of the four teams in their division right now for that tournament. So really good opportunity to come home with some hardware potentially. Yeah. You're going to see a, uh, see an old friend uh, tomorrow night. You got Chico Carter jr. At DePaul right now. 
I actually didn't realize that. That's that's yeah. cool. That's fun. Um, and then yeah, obviously always good to get a potential rivalry rivalry win on the women's side against Clemson. That's tonight. Yep, that's tonight. Seven o'clock. I'll be in a live thread. You'll come hang out with me. Um, all right, let's talk about football. Uh, one more, I guess, Vanderbilt note that I found kind of interesting from Dow Logan's uh, press conference was he was talking about going against the conventional wisdom um, in a rain game. Uh, typically, you're like, oh, it's a rain game. Uh, you got to run the ball more and not put it in the air because it's tough to pass it. Obviously, South Carolina came out throwing, um, got their athletes in space, and uh, Loggins talked a lot about that in the press conference. I don't know if you have any of the specifics on what he said there. Yeah, he was just kind of talking about – he told a story of a – I believe he said it was a Bears – 49ers game in Chicago when he was on John Fox's staff. Um, obviously, it was Chicago. It was December. It was snowing. And that the Bears kind of won that game going away because they were throwing the ball, putting it in the air, using their athletes. Um, and he was kind of explaining that when you're on offense, you know the routes, you know the breaks, you know the cuts, you know where you're supposed to be, and the defense is reacting to that. And when the defense is reacting on wet grass, in snow, slush on the field, whatever you want to weather-wise um, – that gives the offense the advantage, which a lot of people don't realize. Yeah, not to delve too far into uh, high school football, South Carolina high school 2A football from <laughs> circa 2005. But uh, now, uh, we, I, when I was a sophomore in high school, I actually was on the other side uh, defensively uh, of something like that, where um, we had a pretty good team. I think we finished that year like eight and two, made it to the second round of the playoffs, whatever. But we ran into a broom team that had two eventual D1 players. Um, DJ Moore, not the one that's playing for the Bears right now, uh, but he played under as a corner. He played a few years in the league. And then I don't remember the other kid's name. He ended up uh, playing D1 football as a quarterback somewhere. But anyway, uh, we were fine, but those were easily the two best athletes on the field, being that they were eventual D1 guys. And they put on clinic against us uh in the rain um and it's very much that it's like you they they were the two best athletes on the field and then <laughs> me uh in a dry game you can kind of get angles on them and and uh play with your head a little bit better um but it, it, giving them those extra like few inches of space just made a huge huge difference and we saw that on saturday with south carolina getting guys like Leggett in space or mario Anderson or Omega Blake or Lenore Sellers or, you know, insert whoever here that um, was clearly a superior athlete to anyone that Vanderbilt had uh, on the defensive side and they couldn't keep up. So uh, I thought that was, yeah, it worked out. Smart strategy there. Um, unfortunately, not going to be able to exploit that this weekend. Sounds like it's going to be a It'll dry. Be dry. It will be cold, though. <laughs> if you're coming to Willie B, there's a low of 42 out per weather.com right now. So if you're coming Saturday night, Sun will be down by kickoff. It's November. We're past daylight savings. Bring a jacket, bring a coat, bring a hoodie, bring something. Um, so, yeah, let's get into Kentucky a little bit. Talk about uh, how Beamer and the coordinators and, and players have all uh, previewed it already this week. You can go check that out on GameClassGroup.com if you want to read specific comments, read some of the, the stories that Alan's already written this week. Um, to me, these are two very similar teams uh, that have had – a almost flipped schedule. So Kentucky started very strong, uh, worked up the rankings of 
the teens at some point early in the season. Um, but really the easiest part of their schedule was the front half of the season and they took advantage of it. Now that they've run into uh, the more difficult part, the Georgias, the Missouris, um, it has gone, the Tennessees, it has not gone quite as well for them. Meanwhile, South Carolina obviously had that really tough stretch to start the season, um, got all the way to two and six uh, before winning these last two games and are in a little bit of an easier stretch. But ultimately I think they're, they're kind of similar teams um, Kentucky is what you have come to expect from them under Mark Stoops for the last five years, save like five game stretch that Will Levis went insane throwing the ball all over the place in 2021 or whatever year that was. Yep. Uh, but they're going to run the ball, play solid bend, but don't break defense. They don't get beat over the top. Um, and they are going to try to make this into an ugly game that they win 20 to 17 or whatever. Yeah, I think you look at the last two years of this series, the two years of Stoops versus Beamer, and you kind of see, excuse me, what Kentucky's identity is, what Kentucky wants to do. You had a 16-10 game here in Beamer's first year that Kentucky won, and then last year you had a 24-14 game up in Lexington that South Carolina won. Yeah, I think I think you, you said it right there. You know what you're going to get here. There's not a lot of secrets. That was something um, that was Logan's talking about Kentucky's defense that, you know, you kind of know what you're going to get from them, but they execute really well and you have to beat them. They don't really beat themselves as much. Um, this just, I think you got it. This feels like a physical, ugly, grinded out, guys getting rolled up. I think one turnover in this game will be absolutely huge either way because I think they're going to, that's the other thing about Kentucky that I, uh, Beamer was talking about Tuesdays. They're kind of the opposite of what you see with Tennessee, Jack State. They run a slow pace. They average less than 60 snaps a game. Um, you're not going to have that many chances uh, defensively or offensively just as a result of the way the possessions are going to go in this game. And that's why I think every single play is going to be a little bit more magnified in this one. Yeah, you're not going to have seven drives in the quarter, whatever it was. Right, that, that, that will not happen. <laughs> uh, you might only have a few more than that over the course of the entire game. So yeah. um, gonna it's going to be a game that you're going to have to be disciplined. I think it's a game that you're going to have to – lean on that South Carolina crowd for a night game. Uh, was another thing that Beamer talked about. You get all jazzed up uh, going to see Darude before the game, a little, little sandstorm action. Um, and then, yeah, you carry that momentum and, and get behind uh, the team, and the team's going to have to feed off that momentum, I think, um, which is, is doable. I could definitely see a scenario where the defense plays uh, – as good, as well as they have the past couple of weeks, um, well, as, as well as they did last week, um, on the back of a crowd like that. But I do think South Carolina probably has some advantages from an athlete standpoint uh, on the uh, you know out wide. Xavier Leggett obviously is a game breaker against pretty much anyone who plays. Spencer Rattler has shown that he can be efficient against the best defenses in the country, um, the best defenses on the schedule this year. I think, yeah, South Carolina has the opportunity to get a couple of big plays here and there, and they're going to need to take advantage of those opportunities and then just play some solid defense and hold on for Duke. It it, it reminds me it, – it seems like it's, it could set up to be very similar to last year's game, although I don't know if you'll get nine sacks or whatever you got last year. Yeah, and I think the other thing about last year's game too, and if you can do it, that would be huge in a game like this, is you forced a turnover on the first play of the game last year and took it back inside the five, scored on the next play. Um I'm not necessarily saying you're going to do that, um, but I think any again, yeah. it's, hmm? 
It's a quick start. You need a quick yeah, start. It's, yeah, it's the conversation we kind of always have when you're talking about opposing running backs, and in this case, Ray Davis, who's one of the better ones in the league in South Carolina, got more than a big dose of him in that Vanderbilt game last year. Um, you get out to a quick start. You change the game script. You force him to throw a little bit more. Obviously, you get the crowd behind you at that point. Like, that's – I don't know if either of these teams is really equipped for a comeback, like, in kind of in different ways. Kentucky offensively, South Carolina – you know, if they're down 10, can the defense stack enough stops against the running team to maybe get back in the game? Yeah, I, I also I also found it interesting that Clayton White kind of downplayed uh, Ray Davis a little bit in the, the presser mm-hmm. yesterday. Uh, kind of emphasized the pieces around him more than, than Davis himself. Uh, of course, Davis right now is the SEC's leading rusher, but fair that has been on a ton of volume uh, his yards per carry isn't necessarily the top in the league at the moment i don't think i could be i think wrong. cody Schrader um, has him in total yards too but he's up there with him yeah um so it's it's really not about i mean it, it is about making those stops early but i think you're right that over the course of the game once he's on carry 20 or whatever um is your defense going to be able to hold up uh and offensively are you in a position where you're not down by 10 points. Cause if you're down by 10 points and those carries start to add up, then I think things uh, get ugly very quickly um, for South Carolina. A small margin can look like a much bigger margin uh, when you're playing against the style that Kentucky plays. Yep. Uh, and I think too, maybe this is kind of the overarching theme of this week, at least for me, I'm going to write about a little bit in my uh, final preview. If you're going to check that out tomorrow, if you're subscribed, what do we actually learn from Jack State and Bandy? Kind of, you think you learned a little bit. You think this team's better, some momentum. Okay, is the three-three-five the fix for the defense, or was it a fix against an anemic Vanderbilt offense? You know what I mean? Was do you feel better about maybe your offense and the way it's looking right now, or is it better because of the two opponents? I guess kind of. I think the way I would maybe stack that up is if the Kentucky game was right after A and M, would you pick them to win it? Or is he, or are you you feeling better because what you saw against Jack State and Vandy and what does that actually mean? And I'm not like saying that's right or wrong. I'm just wondering if this game was two weeks ago, would you still be picking South Carolina? I do think there's something to be said for that, but I also do think that there's something to be said for this team, especially as young as they are, um, having these those past two games to actually catch their mm-hmm. breath and get for some sure. good things to happen and build some confidence. So I don't know that I think that this team has, is the same team it was three weeks ago either. Um, so, yeah, coming off the Texas A&M game, I probably do link to here, but uh, I'm going I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt that they worked some things out the past two weeks. I mean, like we said at the beginning of the show, you have your third straight week of starting the defensive line. I think that that goes a long way. Um, you've had two weeks of – Working in the three three five, do they run it the whole game against Kentucky? I don't know, but you at least have you know a counter punch, a curveball, something if things aren't going right. Um, yeah, so I, I, we can get to our actual picks here in a little bit, but I do think that the math has changed a little bit based on the last weeks. Yeah, I would probably agree with you there. I think obviously, look, you can say like. All right, would you would you and what I'm saying, would you would you think this way if it was after AM? But the reality is it's not after AM. That's not the world we live in. They have played two games since then. They've won two games since then. Last week you got a 40-point win. You granted one out against Jacksonville State. Um, and again, I 
I'm kind of past the point of using it as a predictive measure because I think we've seen pretty clearly how random they are and how they come in bunches. Um, you didn't force a turnover all of October. You've got six in November already. I truly think one could be enough to flip the game on Saturday. If you win the turnover battle, even by one, and you get points off that turnover, which that's the other thing they did Saturday. They forced two turnovers. They got 14 points. Um, if you can do luck. that. Special teams. And, yeah, it doesn't count as a turnover on the, on the stat sheet, but you're, you're right there. It's a good call. Keenan Nelson uh, blocked a punt there. Um, if you can force a turnover, if you can turn that into an extra seven, I just think in a game like this where you're talking about – eight or nine possessions total for each team. Like that's just, there's, there's less margin for error here, but that goes both ways. There's less margin for error for Kentucky. If you can make some good things happen. Definitely. And I, I, I do think when we're factoring in this math equation that we, we keep using as a metaphor or whatever, we also factor in the fact that Kentucky just played Alabama yep. um, and got shellacked. Um, and uh I think that hurt you mentally, but also just playing a team like Alabama is always going to uh, hurt you a bit physically. So um, I think that this game is falling at probably about the best place it could fall on the schedule for the 2023 version of this matchup. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I also, again, I think we might have talked about this a little bit on Monday, but you are, or you should be, the more motivated team here. You're playing for a bowl. Kentucky's already got one. Both teams have a rivalry game next week, but you're still more locked in on this. Kentucky's got their Louisville game next week. Um, that's a top 10 opponent um, and obviously their big rivalry game. Um, now, that does mean Kentucky's going to come in here and lay down. I think Mark Stoops would very badly like to end Shane Beamer's season. Um, but it just it's one of those things where you're kind of stacking evidence in a corner of why you might like South Carolina here. All right, the defense is playing better, the 3-3-5 at home at night. You've got more on the line than they do. They're a little bit beat up. It's just another kind of brick in that wall. Definitely. Now, it's obviously not all roses for South Carolina, and it hasn't been uh, in a season like this that's had its struggles. Um, can you give us an update on injuries and particularly, I guess, what their plan is at running back? Because we know that that's going to be a, a yeah. thing. For... That is the, um, that's the main thing right now. I wrote about that. Tuesday, if you're subscribed, I'm going to go back and look at that. Um, the carry on joiner is very doubtful. Um, it's the ankle injury. He was on a scooter. I would be very, very surprised if if he's playing on um, on Saturday in uniform. And I hate that for him. I hate that his college career might end that way, but it's just kind of the way it looks right now. Um, what does that leave you with? That's kind of the question. All right, Mario Anderson Jr., you know what he has. I think you kind of know what he brings at this point. It's week 12 of the season. And then this is going to be a, in my opinion, a potentially defining opportunity for DJ Braswell to kind of launch his college career. I still think you're talking about 80% of the carries going to Mario here, and he's going to have to workhorse a little bit. And Shane Beamer said that Tuesday, but how far would even one 20 yard pop from DJ Braswell go in this game, both for his confidence in his career, him kind of putting a stamp on his freshman year, and also what that could do to the football game? Yeah, and if uh, you go back and look at the the film review we did on DJ Braswell about a year ago, just search Gamecocks. Uh, Dontavius Braswell is actually what his his uh, recruit name was, but um, he is really fast, and if he can get some space, he can exploit that space. Uh, we don't yet 
know, I guess, how good of a runner he is between the tackles. He hasn't had much of an opportunity to show that at the at the college level. But uh, yeah, I mean, this this is a big opportunity. Mario Anderson's not going to be next year. Um, you have Matthew Fuller, who's having a, a great senior season, uh, presumably coming in the 2024 class. But um, if DJ Braswell wants to start to, I guess, take that room over and and really be the leader in that room heading into next year, this is a, a big opportunity for him, I think. Yeah, and I think it kind of circles back to some conversations we had over the summer, kind of looking into the season at the running back room, maybe before we knew what Anderson, <coughs> what Anderson really had. How do you, if you're Dowell Loggins, how do you kind of stack up play calling here when you just know the reality is, look, Anderson can be a bell cow. He, he That Mississippi State game went over 25 carries, but it's not a regular thing for him. He's averaging like 11 carries a game this year. It's going to be tough. Um, the... Kentucky usually has a too high safety look. You're not going to hit a ton over the top for them um, or against them. So I think screen game is going to have to be part of your uh, strategy here, hitting some stuff underneath. I know people get annoyed with the bubble screen, bubble screen, slip screens and all that, but that's good. That's going to be part of the, the game plan. Um, and then, yeah, obviously I do think Mario Anderson has proven he can handle 15 to 20 carries um, if if that's what's needed. Has the offensive line proven that they open up consistently in the run game? I think that they've definitely looked better in the in pass protection the past couple of weeks. Um, but that'll that'll be kind of an interesting thing to watch is whether or not this third game in a row of that same starting five can start to open up uh, some run run hole uh, run lanes. I mean, even Mario Anderson last week, he had a good statistical game, but a lot of that was padded by that 73-yard run, obviously. So, uh, which, I mean, that happened. You can't take it Yeah, out. it was part of the game. Uh, I also, I can't believe I'm even saying this, but, like, one of the big losses when you lose the carrier on joiner is the goal line stuff. Um, he's been really good in the, you know, kind of one-yard, two-yard direct snap stuff. Is this, like, unironically where, like, Tonka Hemingway taking carries has helped you where he scored against Jacksonville state has been on the field. You're smiling there, but like, I don't know if Anderson hasn't been that guy all year. I don't know if you're ready to trust TJ Braswell in a goal line spot is like over under 0.5 carries for Tonka Hemingway Saturday. Where are you, uh, where are you going there? We'll do that on the fly. I think he gets one at some point. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if he gets one in a short yardage scenario, maybe. Um, I think they've been pretty inventive around the goal line um, the past couple weeks in particular. Uh, you mentioned Tonka, Bugantley all got a touchdown last week. Um, so, yeah, I do think that that's going to be part of the short yardage package is those two guys in some form uh, have impact. I also wouldn't be totally surprised if we see some Lenora Sellers uh, yep. in obvious running situations like that uh, because, yeah, you get your extra blocker, you have your running quarterback – uh, Beamer talked about how he's put on 18 pounds of muscle since he got here. Um, he's, you know, a solid load to bring down even as a freshman. So that's actually a good way of looking at it too. We haven't really seen that this year. We haven't seen the, I guess I would kind of compare that to before the injury situation got away. Mississippi state had some Mike Wright packages, even though Will Rogers was a starting quarterback. We saw some of that when they came here in September, like there might be a way to work one or two of those in there, especially again, in a goal line situation, um, you don't have to worry about a red shirt. He's already only, he's only played in two games this year. So even if you played Kentucky and Clemson, that's still only four, you're good there. Um, I like that idea. And then I think my main question, again, you're, you're talking about a doomsday scenario, but look around, we're already pretty close to that with the running back room. Like 
if Mario or DJ got hurt, then what is this like? Is this because this becomes Bradley Dunn, DJ Twitty? Like, yeah, I mean, they played last week. I it right. won't surprise. Yeah, they'll they'll have to slot in there. Um, I have one other like goal line thing to keep in mind is Rattler isn't going to run away from anyone, but he's fine yep. uh, in short yards. Scored last week. Scenarios. Those- I would say he scored on his own read last week. So, um, I mean, obviously you need to have uh, a running back in there that is a threat to run if that's going to work. But, um, yeah, I think you know, all is not lost. But if, if people start getting – if if Anderson goes down, really, then think it very interesting yeah. next week or this week. And that's um, and that's where it goes on Dowell, too, where, all right, we can't – throw the ball 50 out of 55 snaps, but you might want to. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it, it won't surprise me if there are a lot of very, of short passes and uh, yeah. high efficiency Spencer Rattler that we've seen at very, and that's where getting Trey season. Knox back probably helps too, which I didn't mention that when you asked about the injuries, but he's Beamer City's probable Saturday that tracks both of what I've heard and also what I saw last week of him warming up and being on the sideline that whole game. Yeah. Um, before we get into our final preview, there's a couple other things kind of that came up in both uh, Beamer's media availability and coordinator availability that uh, I think we should talk about just really briefly. Um, any chance in your mind uh, that Beamer is eyeing that to be job? Any chance in your mind that Dow Loggins is looking at Arkansas? Obviously, the, the coaching carousel is starting to go around, um, and Loggins has had a nice season here beamer has shown some signs of success he has ties in mississippi state what do you think anything to worry about at the moment um i'll take those one at a time and i'll start with beamer uh on tuesday he was pretty emphatically saying no to that that he understood the connection but it's not for him um i think my main reason i would maybe buy into that if you're shane or if you're looking for a reason not to worry about shane is just from a money perspective he's at six million right now in south carolina Zach Arnett was making four and a half at Mississippi State. Mississippi State's not about to give Shane enough of a bump that would make that worth it for him. You know what I mean? I think you got to kind of look at the better job, the money, kind of all that stuff. And I don't know if the incentive is there. Is that fair to say? Like, I don't think Mississippi State's about to go pay $9 million for a head coach. I also think there's something to be said for, like, having to start over when you feel you're probably right at the precipice of – the cycles that you've been, you know, stacking together here and, and building what you've been trying to build here, at least from a rooting standpoint. So, um, yeah, I tend to think I mean, crazy things have happened, sure. Um, but I tend to think uh, he's at where he's at. But um, anytime these things happen, you know, your your agent's gonna sure encourage you to not totally shut down because why would you? I mean, as long as you kind of keep it. Um, keep it up in the air a little bit uh that's building some leverage for you financially so just hearing dan lanning's agent slamming his computer after that comment he made about how he would never ever go to a <laughs> you saw that on monday someone asked him about did, that out yeah. of oregon um yeah i am sure he wasn't too stoked about that he's like come on we can at least milk a little bit of money as for as for logins um i think that one has a little bit more legs i think that makes more sense than the beamer one um, I think where I would still feel okay if you're South Carolina, and again, I'm not like reporting any of this. I haven't been told any of this. I'm just kind of gaming it out. I think where you feel better is Sam Pittman is in big trouble there at Arkansas. They're three and seven right now. I know a lot of people are about done there. Obviously, <clears throat> this season's gone very poorly. He does have a 
clause in his buyout where if his overall record's over 500 versus under, the buyout's like $8 million more if he's over. And right now he's still over for his whole tenure at Arkansas. But if they start one and three, one and four next year, and he dips under that buyout obviously flips at that point. I think it's fair to say now that Arnett and Fisher are gone, that Sam Pippen's got the hottest seat in the SEC, right? For head coaches, maybe Napier. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't I uh, have a friend that's a Florida fan, and I was asking him what his opinion was, and he he tends to think that it, Napier deserves one more year. So I mean, that's they're just recruiting really well. But yeah, for the topic of this yeah, discussion, and, oh, go ahead. No, I, I think you're right that uh, Pittman's probably the the hottest. I am also friends with some Arkansas folks, and they they're they they're beyond done with him at this point. So yeah, so for that for the point of this discussion, then you're talking about Dowell Loggins hitching his wagon to only be looking for a job again next year or midway through next year or whatever that might be. I don't see that happening. I think he's feeling good about what's going on here. What he has, you talked about Lenoris there a little bit earlier, what he has there going forward. And I think that just, again, I get the fit. Dowell said himself yesterday, look, I grew up in Arkansas. I played there. I coached there. My wife was a cheerleader there. Like he knows all that stuff. Um, But are you jumping back there? to be the OC for a head coach that feels, it feels inevitable is getting fired in the next calendar year. Yeah. And even more so than Beamer, he has every reason to uh, be a little coy about it and build up some leverage financially yeah. because his contracts are shorter um, and right. he, can, he can restructure that much quicker than, yeah. than Beamer can. So especially after um, the offense has been very good. Very good. Uh, compare, I mean, very good. That's all we'll say. And and just look at Nebraska if you want a skip comparison, I guess. That's not all you'll say. The I yeah I saw Nebraska's barstool Twitter or whatever, um, basically being like they were done with with Satterfield. So that's uh you know that that's worked out just fine for South Carolina fans, I think. Anyway. Um, Let's get into your prediction. I, I think you're going to post your final prediction on the website tomorrow, but do you have a score prediction at the moment? I'm leaning Kentucky. I just, I am kind of feeling like I need to see it with this team. Just, all right, beat someone better than Vandy or Jackson. I know that's kind of a cop-out answer. I would not at all be surprised if South Carolina won this game. They're a one and a half or a two-point dog for a reason. I don't know what the number is right now. Take like 23-20 Kentucky. Maybe a late field goal, but if that flipped, I wouldn't at all be surprised. What are you thinking? Uh, I'm where you're at, but I am going to pick South Carolina to win it. Um, and Fish now on his key minus one and a half. Yeah. Um, so right, right that range that you just said. But yeah, I, I see an ugly game. Um, I see, like you said, maybe a turnover or two making a big difference on which way this one goes or a special teams play, uh, something like that. But um, I'm going to take South Carolina at home, night game, crowd against them, backs against the wall uh, to sort of step up and, and make it happen. I mean, I'm fine with your score, 23-21, 21-17, something like that. Yeah, I I see low scoring. I see very well kind of full circle we talked about at the start of the show, but I see a very Kentucky South Carolina game here. I think you guys all know what that means when we say it, what that looks like, what that's kind of has been like the last couple of years. Um 
And these teams stack up both evenly and also stack up with styles that would match what you've seen the last two years in this game. Yeah. So uh, otherwise, so we'll have full coverage of that game on GameCockScoop.com. We will have a live chat during the game on Saturday evening. Um, like I said, I'll have a third basketball game Friday night at 1130. For those of you that are up and having your Friday night cocktail or whatever while you're watching, um, South Carolina played. And then we'll have coverage for the men's game against whoever on, on Sunday, Sunday uh, afternoon as well. Um, women are playing Clemson tonight. You can come check all that out there. Anything I'm missing? There's a pretty busy schedule this week. Yeah, a lot going on here. Um, we didn't talk about the sunglasses. It's sunglasses week again. Shane Beamer, Kentucky. Oh, yeah. I was saying, yeah, last year. Uh, 1-0 since the sunglass comment, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> he said uh, he said his um, yeah. son has them right now. He's his son has the sunglasses. Yeah, Shane's video. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah, maybe he'll uh, he'll break them out in the post game while Darude plays Sandstorm Five <laughs> uh, over the stadium. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be a crazy that's, weekend. Uh, that's my dream scenario. Yeah. Speaking of crazy weekends, we haven't even really talked about this yet. Uh, it's rumor at this point, but almost confirmed rumor based off of Tanner's. Ray Tanner's comments uh, yesterday on some broadcast or oh, thing or whatever. Yeah, I, I heard him somewhere. Um, sounds like maybe the former president's going to be at the South Carolina Clemson game. I don't know if that's fully confirmed, but yeah, I mean, he's got a South Carolina, the early primary states. Uh, I guess there's some some sense that uh, I don't I'm not going to say anything beyond that, uh, but yeah. That should be fun for traffic. Uh, I was going to say a motorcade shutting down Bluff Road and also probably airport security to get into that game. Sounds awesome. Really cool. Really cool. Um, all right. Uh, we will uh, be back on Monday to talk South Carolina and Kentucky and uh, start to preview rivalry week. Until next time, this has been the GameCocksCoop.com podcast. We'll see you.